Does your broker tell you they're managing your retirement money on a daily basis? Really? So when they're on vacation, how does that work? Do they have computers doing their job for them? Is that reliable money management? Is it time you learned how to have reliable retirement income, keeping your principal, and protect your gains with a higher income strategy? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halavi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. My name is Eric Hallaby. The Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Let me give you the phone number here as we start the morning out. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. If you ever have a, a question, certainly, and you want to talk about uh, some of the financial stuff, you can reach out to us at any time. It's 888 Retire. It's 997-3847. Okay. So we're talking about a few things when it comes to your financial life. And one of those specifically uh, is in retirement, your taxes are going to change. Tax brackets are going to change potentially. Uh, And and what you thought was normal as far as a a systematic withdrawals, how much you should take out, what that looks like, it just might change for you. Uh, I'm going to kind of go through a list of things that I want you to be concerned about. Uh, or at least to be on the top of your mind, because it's probably going to happen to you. Okay, ready for this? Number one, I think for most of you, if you go into retirement married, uh, you are expecting a certain tax bracket. You're going to have his Social Security, her Social Security. Uh, You're going to have uh, his pension and her pension, potentially. So as these dollars come in, you're going to, you know, you ebb and flow a little bit. You decide, okay, how much should we withhold? married filing number two or married filing jointly you know, with one exemption, whatever it is, your CPA or tax preparer uh, should be the one that could, can walk you through that. Okay. But as they do that, take into account a couple of things. Number one, in California, there are some big changes that have happened with the exemption or the write-offs for California income taxes, right? So, so credit's there. It's called the SALT, the state uh, income tax reduction, right? S-A-L-T. But the second thing, which is very, is very important, believe it or not, is if one of you passes away, you with all the other stuff you have to worry about, listen, the surviving spouse has to understand they're now single filing. So you lose one of the social security checks. Uh, it's usually the lower one. And depending on the pension uh, selection that they've chosen... They may have chosen a pension selection that says, uh, you know, give my spouse 75% of my pension or give them half of my pension, right? The, the less that they receive, the more that the, the working person uh, received that earned the pension, okay? Th- this is important because of budgeting. If you're budgeting along the way and suddenly your income drops by 30% or 40%, you need to know that. But your taxes aren't going to drop accordingly, 
they can drop as much, or I should say increase as much as double. So let me be clear on this. You no longer are two people earning the income where they can spread it out over two. It's now one person. So I would guess if your income dropped in half, then your tax bracket, everything would be the same. But for most people, that's not the case. They lose the lower of the two Social Securities. It's usually not quite exactly the same, right? It's not 2000 and 2000 One might be 1000 a month and one could be 2000 a month. So you're going to lose the $1,000 per month in Social Security. The other part that's pretty important is that pension different differential. But as that occurs as well, there's also, well, less living expenses. But your, your electric bill doesn't drop in half. You may have heard me mention before, when you turn the light on, it isn't extra bright because there's four people in the room instead of one, right? The refrigerators are going to cool things down because there's uh, two people eating dinner instead of one. You know, maybe as many times as it's open and closed, that changes. But it's probably not going to be exactly half, all right? You, you need to know this because if somebody passes away in the beginning of the year or in the middle of the year, the withholdings might need to be adjusted, so if that takes place, you have to meet with your tax preparer early enough and say, hey, what kind of changes do I have to make? If any, maybe they'll say, no, you're just fine based on what we had before. Okay, so this matters because one of the biggest expenses you're going to have in retirement is not housing. Everybody says health care is as, as if it's uh, you know pre-programmed. Who knows? Depends on your plan. Depends on if you were in the military uh, and you're retired. It depends on if you have any kind of um, uh, all-encompassing plan like a Kaiser or, you know, Cedars-Sinai-type health plan or FACI, right? Those, those encompass everything all at once. And maybe your, your costs are less. But where does it happen? It happens at the worst time in your life. Because when somebody passes away that's close to you, you, you care about them. And, but now financially you have to make decisions and choices that aren't always the best. So I want to give yourself uh, a little bit of time. Pause for a little bit. Right? You should have money say, set aside. Have money set aside in savings and checking. That'll help you kind of cruise through the, the morning period a little bit. You should be able to pay your bills. Right? That's a, a big deal. Because as we move forward through, through this part of life, it's now up to you. Right? I, I met with a, a client yesterday whose husband was a police officer and worked for 30-plus years. A great guy. I knew him, actually, when I was on the job 30 years ago. And he retired, and then he passed away. And part of this time frame for him was to make sure his wife was taken care of. Pretty honorable guy, actually. And as he does that, and as he built his financial life for the lady that he cared about when they were teenagers, it was cute, and yet now today, she is able to have a comfortable retirement, right? So you don't always know when or who's going to spend the money that you're saving. But as you are getting closer to retirement, or maybe you are, maybe you're in your 60s, just before that age 70 and a half cut off, I want you to start making some changes. I'd like five, six, seven years before that if I could. So here's some ideas. Keep this in mind because this can change your retirement tax world problems, right? Here's what it is. If you are still working in your 60s and you still have write-offs or you're, 
your life is still within a, a manageable and a reasonable scenario, consider converting some of your existing traditional IRAs into a Roth. So, for example, let's say you convert $50,000. That's right. You're going to pay taxes on 50000 No question. Taxable event. Here it is. But those $50,000 will never be taxed again. And they're not subject to the required minimum distribution. Currently, the required minimum distribution is age 70 and a half. Well, more specifically, it's the year following the year you turn 70 and a half. That's when you have to start taking it out. So if you're born in the first half of the year, it's the same calendar year. If you're born in the second half of the year, September, you don't turn 70 and a half until the following year, which means you have one more year calendar-wise to spread out your, your required minimum distribution. But that requirement is only from your pre-taxed accounts, traditional IRAs, 401ks. If you're a teacher, it's called a 403b. If you work for the federal government, it's called a thrift savings plan or TSP. If you work for the city or the county or the state, yours is called a deferred compensation or 457. All of those are bucketed into the same corner and they work like this. You do not pay taxes today on the money that you put in or the interest. But when you take out the money, it is a taxable event at whatever your tax bracket is, wherever you live, whatever you're doing. But if you're planning on retiring in California, you're planning on staying um, in a similar income tax bracket, I want you to consider converting some of your traditional IRA into a Roth. Now, you're going to have to meet with your tax preparer and say, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Tax Preparer, what do you think? How much should I do? Is it okay? What should I, what should I consider? What is it going to damage as far as the taxes go? Now, if you have a whole bunch of credit sitting on your tax return because of a loss this year, make sure you bring that up to them and say, hey, I have these losses. Does that help at all? Or I lost a lot uh, in a business deal or whatever took place. Could I or should I make some adjustments? Because if I do, if I do, will that reduce my taxes? later on. Okay, now a quick little side note. Next year, we're expecting in, in 2020, sometime we expect the SECURE Act of 2019, especially once this impeachment thing is, goes away. What a waste of time and energy. What a messed up that scenario that was. Right? The entire thing that they said that they were trying to impeach the president for, n- the, invest- not, the entire investigation, nothing turned out to be any of those charges. It was back to the lying and and... Uh, you know, the because you wanted to defend yourself, you're considered now, uh, what is it, uh, obstruction of justice, obstruction of Congress. By the way, that's not a law. I don't know if you knew that. It doesn't exist. It's called hurting my feelings. We're going to impeach you for hurting our feelings, for being rude and impolite. So anyway, they're going to do it. Whatever. They did it. It's over. I think they're going to try to struggle to bury the impeachment conversation with as many other, quote, accomplishments that they can do that they will take credit for. Because the Democrat Party was the party of uh, slavery. It was the party of the Jim Crow laws. The Democrat Party was the party of uh, reverse discrimination. 
identity politics. The Democrat Party's job, so that you're clear, was to take money from those that had it and give it to those that didn't. Now, when you talk to somebody that says that's a good idea, they will say, take money from those that stole it, that didn't work hard, and give it to those that are honest, hardworking people. Robin Hood. But you have to decide how much of that is true. Because that's how they feel better about themselves. Because they sit down and they say, okay, well, remember, this is about that guy over there not being as decent and honorable as me. So as they do that, I think they're going to continue to raise taxes, especially if the Senate becomes the Senate and or the, the presidency uh, in the next four, eight, ten years, who knows, becomes a Democrat. Right now, they don't have anybody in the party. That's why there's still talk about Hillary Clinton coming in. And that's why Michael Bloomberg jumped in and Tom Steyer jumped in because they're, they see it. These guys are business people that go, "Uh oh, this isn't going well. And so because of that. What you will see is kind of a, a, a bearing of any ideas. Now, maybe, maybe a Klobuchar, maybe somebody will pop up. But they all have the same ideas. Take from you and give to somebody else. So I think if you can, under today's current tax law, if you can, can kind of, I don't know about bulletproof, that's not the right word, but, but do as best you can to, to batten down the hatches now, as long as we have a Republican president, especially one like uh, Mr. Trump, I, I don't think we're going to see a problem coming down the road as high as this. But eventually we're going to have to. It's just a math problem. Nobody's talking about the $23 trillion in debt. right? We've been talking about it. We do our best, and it doesn't seem like anybody's listening. Because when the Republicans are in office, they don't care. When the Democrats are in office, you know, they don't care. So it's a matter of sooner or later, somebody's going to have to pay the piper. One of the ways to do it was to grow the economy. And so that is a possibility. The other way is to pay less money. Well, wouldn't that be great if we did both? Boy, that would accelerate it. So a little bit of a sidebar, but keep in mind that this is going to happen. If this Secure Act of 2019, if this passes... They may call it something different by then because I expect it to happen in January, February, March, something like that. Then it takes the required minimum distribution age from age 70 and a half and moves it to 72. So that's pretty neat. One, because it avoids confusion. Because if you fail to take your distribution, and if you have a, dis a distribution in 2000. And 19, you better take that distribution in 2019. The penalty is 50%, five zero. That means if you were supposed to withdraw $10,000 and you didn't, you will be forced to withdraw 10000 pay taxes on it, and if you don't have the extra 5000 of penalty setting aside, then they're going to force that to come out of your retirement account and then tax that again. So if you have taxes that are due, if you have a, a distribution that is required, you need to take that out. There's a lot of things you can do with it. I'll get to that in a minute. But do not think that you should just leave it and nobody's going to notice. All of the reporting, all of the electronics, all of the, the uh, uh, you know, tracking of your retirement accounts these days, it's all done on computers and hardware and software. Don't worry, they will find it. They don't find it right away, which is always interesting to me. They find it in 
two years or three years. And when they do, oh, surprise, it's penalties, fees, fines, taxes, interest. Now, you might think all of those things, well, that's the same. Well, no, it's not. Surprise, they call them something different. And IRS workers, the, the, the collectors, the auditors, so that you're clear. Now, they don't call it this. But in effect, it doesn't matter what you call it. It is the same. They all receive bonuses. They all receive uh, incentive pay, uh, extra money, uh, a pay boost. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, by collecting more money. So if you're somebody who has made mistakes or is not clear, you better fix it because there's a big incentive on their side to make sure that they take the money from you that you owe. So, so don't make a mistake and think that, oh, they're, well, they're going to forget about it. No, no, no. You're somebody's paycheck, somebody's boat payment, right? Somebody's vacation this summer. That bonus is huge coming down the road. Okay, so this is important. What are you going to do with that required minimum distribution? Because as that RMD or that required minimum distribution comes in, if you're still married and it's coming into the two of you, it's probably going to be taxed at a lower bracket. But I need you to remember that as both of you are, are in your 60s, let's say, and you have a retirement account, and you don't need the money from it. You don't need it right now. Maybe someday you're not really sure. Maybe it's for my beneficiaries. I'm just going to set it for the future. And you're going to start doing a conversion or, or a, a rollover, if you will, out of a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA what my suggestion is, consider doing some in 2019, some in 2020, some in 2021, etc., until 2023. Because in 2023, that's when the big tax world changes again, unless they make these permanent. Now, if President Trump is reelected by the same or a greater margin, and especially if we can pick up a few more seats in the House and in the Senate, right? if, if there's a wholesale wipeout of the progressive ideas, it'll put it to bed for probably a decade. And then we can get back to the business of making this country prosperous, influential, and free. Because the power that comes from the financial world isn't just as a nation, but it's also individually. Right? What are the choices that you get to make? Tell me about the life that you get to lead when you have your bills paid off when you don't even owe anything, including on the house. Or when you've paid off your first car, right? What does that feel like? So suddenly you, you act differently, you walk differently, you talk differently. Life is better, right? It, it is no longer a conversation of, wow, well, do I, uh, you know, do I have extra money or do I not? Or should we eat out? Or, or let's look at the savings and, and shop at you know, day-old bread, remember? <laughs> that was our life. The day-old bread, right? Or the Webster's uh, outlet store. Webster's bread, you guys remember that? There's a few of them around, one in the valley that we used to go to. And part of the, this conversation for you is planning and preparing because statistically speaking, if both of you are alive at age 65, there's a, a, a better than one in two chance that one of you is going to live till age 95. I think it's 50, 60, 70% that one of you will live till age 95. There's something about being married, right? It's a long life. 
uh, it's a positive thing. And then there is this component of you having no children, no business, no tax write-offs. And here's a big chunk of money. It's 100% taxable. You're completely subject to the whim of what's happening in Washington or in Sacramento. And so I don't want you to be that person that's subject to it and kind of ebbs and flows with the tide or the wind and whichever way it goes, you just follow. So here's how you avoid some of that. Next, look at some of the tax-free investments. Check with your financial planner, financial advisor. Ask them about tax-free municipal bonds, uh, tax-free uh, double tax-free, California-insured tax-free. There's a lot of things that are built around this concept because as a retiree, people understand you just don't have the, the extra funds to spend in taxes. Now, it still impacts your Medicare payment. Tax-free bonds still means you're going to pay more in Medicare payments right? because it's all a function of your income. So please don't think that, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a poor pop a popper because I make $50,000 a month from tax remunerate. No, no, no. It still impacts the rest of your income. But not income tax, right? I like Roth IRAs. Do some Roth conversions. Consider that. Because as we'll get to after the break here, we're going to talk about the required minimum distributions. What do you do with them? What are some of the choices and the options when you don't need it to, le- to, to live on and to eat, sleep, and drink, right? How do you do it? But the other part of this that matters is what I call a legacy. Look, I, I think your legacy is very important. Even if you're an atheist, even if you're an agnostic and you're not sure, or you're an atheist and you think you are sure. Look, one thing or another, 100 years from now, both of us will know for sure, right? So, but even if that's the case, then why not make the world a better place? There's charities, there's churches, there's hospitals. If you like children or puppy dogs or parks, lots of really good places, and your legacy can make a difference. Again, regardless of your religious affiliation, there's some amazing organizations out there. Now, I would do some research because there's a lot of these nonprofits that are sneaky. A lot of them are crooked. There are, they just are. So you need to do some research. You need to sit on the board, sit around them. Give a little bit of a donation. Watch how they spend it. What do they do with it? Do they treat your money even better than they treat their own money? If they do, well, then you can consider leaving them a a life gift right after you pass away. Because a big chunk of what you're doing on this earth, you're probably never going to spend all this money. Most people aren't. Right? You've saved it, and we just don't... If we all knew the exact moment... That when we would pass away, well, then, fine, we'd bounce the last check to the, uh, <laughs> to the mortuary. All right, see ya. But we don't. So statistically speaking, people will always end up with, with leftover money, with a reserve, with an inheritance to someplace. How do we ensure that that has the honor and integrity that you want to continue? All right, so... Retiring, second half of next, uh, the next break, we're going to get in. Where are you going to retire? What does it look like to retire into different cities, different states? Because we are seeing over and over people are, are le- fleeing the state. If you've listened to my show for more than, I don't know, more than a half a show, you know that. 
But we have a new report. Where are people going? Where's that flood of Americans, specifically Californians, where are they going to? And when they are leaving, right, some of my friends on the left, I spoke to one who was a kind of a local semi-famous guy, you know, from some local shows. And what he said, which was very interesting, he said, uh, hey, if you don't like California, just move. You know, the love it or leave it. Remember those guys? If you don't like the United States under the Nixon world, leave. And I thought, wow, this is the same person. The depth of arrogance has no clue what it takes to leave, to live in California. Because he's very wealthy, right? He was a, an, in TV for, for many years, many decades, I think 30 plus years, retired. And he thought, well, you know, I have my money. Forget you little people that can't afford to live here. So you need to plan. All right, we come back. Required minimum distributions, what are you going to do with them? What are some ideas? Some of them actually might be brand new ideas for you. All right, we're going to come back. The total financial hour, 888 retire That's 997-3847. 997-3847. We'll be right back. I'm Eric Halby. Thanks for being with me on AM870, The Answer. I'll retire. Hey, welcome back to the show, the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. Thanks for being with me in this hour of the program. We're finishing this hour as we uh, we get into the required minimum distributions. Listen, part of what happens, uh, I want to be clear on what the RMDs, sometimes it's called the MDRs, minimum or MRDs, minimum required distributions, they're the same thing. Here's what it means. When you reach age 70 and a half, you've been deferring money, means setting it aside, not paying taxes on it, saying tax me later, government. You've been deferring it for the future forever until you get to a later time in life. Under the old assumption that you're going to be in a lower tax bracket then. Well, that's not the case anymore, <laughs> I honestly think it's an outdated idea, but you're kind of stuck in that corner. Here's a good example. You're 25 years old. You're in the lowest tax bracket you're probably ever going to be in, right? Fine. Put money in a Roth 401k. Still set it aside. Still defer it. But you're not going to receive the tax break today. Why? Because it will be a tax time bomb later. Now, if you're 35 or 45, you have young children, a house mortgage, a small business, you have all of these things and your, your, dedu- your deductions, your tax consequences, I should say, are really low. Well, don't be putting money inside of your 401k regular, traditional, put it in the 401k Roth, which means it's post-tax money, just like the $50 in your pocket, you've already paid taxes on it, set that aside. 401Ks, 403Bs means uh, school district, hospital, nurses, research facilities, right? Nonprofits. That's called a 403B. That's your plan. Well, the same thing applies there. There is a Roth, 403B, R-O-T-H. All that means is that that was the last name of the senator who came up with the idea or whose name was put on it at least back in the 90s. It has nothing to do with any acronym or it doesn't mean anything. It just has come to mean that it's post-tax money that's designed for retirement, held in a later bucket forever. 
because that has no required minimum distributions because the government already received its taxes. So it doesn't care. There's no at age 70 and a half, you have to start taking money out. Because later on in life, when your tax bracket is higher, and now you say, well, now I'm going to have to put more money in my regular retirement account to reduce my income because I'm making much more money. Okay, well, maybe that's the case. It's all a conversation with your tax professional. What if I do this? What if I do that? And then you look at the numbers. That's why you don't just meet with your tax preparer, your, your tax professional once a year when you do your taxes and everybody's hurried and there's files in the corner and they have boxes in the corner and, and you know, it doesn't look like he has shaved or she's eaten for three days and their hair's a mess and showered, <laughs> right? They, you've seen it. These poor guys, these poor ladies, what do you do? And now you're going to ask them a question that's, that's going to, you know, impact potentially the rest of your life forever? Or... Maybe you're asking that question anytime between, let's say, I don't know, July and, and January, the end of January, right? February 1st, they hit the ground running until April 15th. It's a sprint for them. So just don't expect to ask in-depth conversations. Take a lot of their time. They don't have it then. They have to get other things done. But I do want you to pay for an hour or two of their time in the summertime or in the fall. Hey, what if I do this? What if I do that? This is, are we on track here? Better yet, bring them or have somebody like me go with you to them. And now you have a room full of professionals who each have a different job to do, who are experts in their own field, who can sit down and say, here's where I'm, a, I'm strong, here's where I'm strong. And we now sit together, we plan together. And one of them takes the lead and says, okay, Arif, where's your expertise? What can you do for me? Got it. Okay. All right. Cindy, Steve, Mary. And we all sit together and, and that's, that's what you need. Because if tax brackets fluctuate like they do, and if history is any example of what it will be like, it's going to be all over the map going forward. Okay. So if you're younger and you are putting together your retirement plan, do a Roth. I mean, at least have the, a conversation and seriously consider it, right? All right. So let's say you didn't because the company contribution, the match, the profit-sharing portion, all of that has to go in a regular traditional. In other words, that is deferred. So I expect when you are in retirement, you're going to be there and you're going to have two sources of income at least from your retirement, pre-tax and post-tax, all right? Two different buckets, two different account balances. Then this is important as we go through this, you're going to have, fast forward, you're now 70 and a half. And if this new tax bill passes, you're 72 under the current proposed legislation. So you reach that age, you now have to start taking money out of your retirement account. Okay, so you're 72. But the, the issue that I have is we knew this was coming. We know this bomb is, this tax bomb is going to explode at a period of time called 70 and a half or 72. When that does, you're just going to cross your fingers and hope that you're in, you're in a safe place. Or in your 50s or 60s, you can start planning ahead. So here's what I would do. 
if you have an old retirement account, at least something to consider, right? Uh, let me back up. If the only advice you're ever going to get is from me, somebody on the radio and not meet with me personally, or somebody on the TV, right? Jim Cramer, I don't care who, Susie Orman. If, if that is your, your, your only financial professional advice, then don't do anything we ever say. If you take it as an impetus to research or to come in and talk with me or them or whoever, then I'm, I'm with you. Then use this as the beginning. But you're crazy. Nobody's ever talked to you. <laughs> you're crazy to use it. Well, you said, yeah, but he didn't, doesn't know anything about you. He doesn't even know you exist on this earth. Right? Because sometimes people say, oh, if you said, well, well, yeah, but I don't know about you. These are ideas. This is a conversation. This is a way to kind of shake the, the 4 billion internet sites that are out there and, and whittle it down to maybe one idea that can help you. So here's what I want you to do. If you have an old retirement account and it has been converted or should be converted to an IRA, traditional IRA, T-IRA is what it's called. Okay, so now it's a traditional IRA. You have a 401k at work, retirement plan at work. Maybe your spouse has a 401k at work. And you're in a position to where maybe you are not completely maxing it out. Okay, I get it. You can, you just have it. If you do a conversion of some of your traditional IRA, you say, all right, let's move over $10,000 a year, for example, $10,000 a year. Then I want you to increase your 401k contribution by $10,000 a year. Well, yes, it's going to be a little tight financially, but if you do it, it's like one step forward and one step back. You're exactly in the same tax bracket you were in. The one step forward, you're adding 10000 in taxable income. You just don't get to spend it now. But you're in your 50s or 60s, and we want to set it aside and remove it from the required minimum distribution conversation that's going to happen later. So 10000 comes in. And then now you are raising your deductions, so your income is now reduced by $10,000. you are raising your withholdings uh, to, into your, uh, your company retirement plan, right? 403B, if you're a teacher or a research facility, you know the conversation. And by doing that, you have now put the, the, the tax world, if you will, about the same. It's about the same. Then what happens is that money that is converted into a Roth is never taxed again. Now, if you have rental property and you have depreciation, you're going to check with your tax preparer and say, hey, does this impact me? Is there anything I can do with this? Yeah, we're going to, we, have a, we have sitting off here in the corner $25,000. Well, what if I do a conversion? Can I do that? Does that help? Can I, can I use some of those credits? Well, you're, you're a real estate, uh, active real estate investor or you're a professional real estate investor. Yes, we can. Or no, we can't. The idea is to have somebody who's actively involved. And good tax professionals can really get in there, but not on March 3rd, right? Don't, they're, they're busy. Their mind is crazy with what's going on. And, and of course, we should expect them to be. So if you can get to one before February 1st that you're going to use, sit down and say, hey, let's have a conversation. What should I do? What is right for me? What is not right for me? Okay, then I'm happier. 
here's one of the things that I expect to happen with your required minimum distribution as well. In that world, when the dollars come in, you can start liquidating them sooner, 68, 69. And then it will reduce the amount that you pay later. In other words, if it's now or later, 2023 is when the bracket, uh, the tax brackets are currently set to go back up. So if you can start withdrawing now, then you'll be paying at a much lower rate. And if that happens, then you put it into your retirement accounts, put it into a uh, uh, a few places. I'm going to give that to you here in a second. So grab a list, grab a pen and paper if you want. But let's say you don't need it. No, Eric, I'm good. I don't, I don't want extra income. I don't need it. It's designed for my children or my wife or my husband or or the grandchildren someday, or maybe our long-term care needs or health needs, whatever it might be. But here's the key. If that's the case, and you take those dollars in, consider using it to pay off debt. Because if you don't have to have the money come in the front door to go out the back door towards debt, because once it comes in the front door, it's a taxable event. If we can manipulate that, in other words, make it happen sooner rather than later, and we can pay off the debt, then I don't have to have it come out later. And I don't have to pay the interest or that monthly payment, whatever the case might be. All right, so this is important as you're trying to consider what happens with your current plan. Because I like it if we can pay off cars, credit cards for certain rental property, timeshares, whatever it might be that you might have, using your required minimum distribution to do that. If you're already past age 70, 70 and a half, 72, start taking it out. Let's look at it for that reason. Now, I've talked about this. If you are still working under the current rule, you can have an employer 401k plan as long as you do not own more than 5% of the company. Right? So let's say you work for uh, another firm or something, but you have a traditional IRA. Now you are forced to take money from your traditional IRA. You're still working. You're 73 years old. Put the money back into your company retirement account. In other words, you, you need to raise your deductions, your, your contributions. All right? So simple enough. If you're 73 and you have a 401k plan at work and you are forced to take out 5000 from your, your traditional IRA, put that extra $5,000. you are still going to be paying taxes on it today, but then you get a tax write-off when it goes into your retirement account. So one step forward, one step back. Now, when does this not work? Let's say you're fully maxed out. In other words, your retirement plan at work, you're putting in the twenty four, twenty five thousand. dollars Well, then maybe it doesn't work. Look at your spouse. Sometimes people get jobs just so they can put money in their their retirement accounts or receive credits for Medicare or Social Security, right? There's a lot of reasons, not because you need it to eat dinner. So if you're considering something like that, if your spouse is going to work part-time, right, consider that. That's an option. They can still put money in their retirement account. Not as much because it's only 100% of your income. So they can't put more. But it's one way to have it come in the front door and go out the back door if they're already working and you just haven't maxed out that amount. A good option, 
something to consider. Something else I'm looking at is what if you were to just put it straight into an annuity? Well, Arif, I'm not going to pay taxes on the money twice. Well, you don't. The dollars that come in the front door are taxable. If you don't have any other write-offs, no other place to go, eh, tough luck. That's the way it goes. Boom. We put it into an annuity. As it's earning interest, zero tax bracket impact. You are not required to withdraw it at any time unless you're the beneficiary someday, right? When you pass away, somebody else gets it. So you never have to, to be forced to take it out. You can regulate when you take it out, but the money you put into an annuity as growing tax deferred, when you pull it out, you are no longer taxed on the, on the money you put in. So if you've put in a total of 100000 you're not paying taxes on uh, on the difference. In, in other words, uh, you are paying taxes on the difference. Here's a good example. 100000 grows to one twenty. Only the 20000 is taxable ever again. The hundred is not. It's considered a return of your basis. Okay, return of what you put in. That extra, those extra funds, that's a good option. If you are super healthy, you're somebody who's doing well health-wise, consider a leveraging of it. In other words, what was, the, what was this retirement plan's job originally? Well, my wife is much younger. I want to take care of my grandkids. My daughter uh, got a divorce, and I want to make sure she's cared for financially so that she can go back to school. Well, can have you considered life insurance? The required minimum distribution comes out the front door. It's taxed. We've already tried all the write-offs. There isn't any other place to go. It's the way it goes. Well, now we take it and we put it into a life insurance policy. Now you have leverage. $10,000 goes in. Maybe you buy $100,000 worth of life insurance or $200,000, depending on your age and your health, maybe more. What this does is it gives you multiple ways to have kind of a kind of a maximizing of what you what you run into as a problem, which is you're forced to withdraw some of your assets. Your money that you thought was there as a nest egg because it was in the form of retirement accounts are now uh, is is now beginning to whittle down and it's scary for you, scary for your family, etc. Well, there are life insurance policies that allow you to tap into the face amount, the death benefit, the big number. If you have long-term care or chronic illness type issues, right? Critical illness issues. So in other words, the purpose for the required minimum distribution funds was to be there in case you needed it for long-term care health issues, uh, nursing home, et cetera, big issues financially later. However, you can do that in spades by leveraging it. By ten thousand buying fifty, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars worth of life insurance, for example. All right, this is important for you if you're trying to say, "Listen, I, I didn't need it. I'm seventy-two, seventy-four. I thought I needed it, but I don't. But I might someday. How do I get a secondary, second chance, second bite, if you will, at the apple?" Okay, I like this component because what it does is it allows the death benefit to be tax-free distribution to your beneficiaries. So, for example, if you put in 10000 it now buys 100000 The 10000 is never taxable again to your family if it's sitting in a savings account 
for example, your wife or husband receives those funds. It's just post-tax money. However, in the life insurance world, you're buying a greater percentage of dollars because it's a leveraging event, right? And then what that does is that that's now tax-free to your beneficiaries. That's now tax-free to your husband or your wife or your kids. So we're taking it away from a taxable place like a 401k or an IRA. We don't have any more write-offs. You can't absorb it somewhere else. It now lands in your account. And what do we do with it? Well, first of all, I need to make sure that this other area is filled, which is an emergency account. I need to make sure that from an emergency account standpoint, that you, your family, I don't know the number. Everybody's got a different number, a different way of calculating it. I like to see at least six months. I'd be more comfortable with a year worth of your expenses. Generally, it's a rule of thumb, but it's about what it is. Right? That means that you have money set aside in case you need a new roof on the house. You're not going into debt. In case new tires on the car or there's a, a trip that you want to plan or uh, somebody needs uh, emergency cash infusion, right? A, a child gets laid off and we have to help pay their house payment. Whatever it might be along the way, I don't want you to, to have to dip into debt or withdraw from your retirement account, which means you now pop into a different tax bracket. Okay, so this is important as you're dropping these ideas, your situation is going to be different. Right, that emergency fund I think matters very much so. Okay, here's another idea can help with a lot of you. Required minimum distribution comes in, your retirement account, uh, your your uh, Roth IRA, we're not able to offset it there. We're not able to do a conversion. We've already done all of those things. We've taken care of life insurance. You're as much as or as little as you want. Your emergency fund is amazing. 200,000 sitting in the bank, you're good there. And you have grandchildren that are probably some of the smartest grandkids around, right? Isn't that amazing? All of us think that about our children and our grandchildren. And here, this is pretty important. Have you thought about contributing to their college fund? Now, for a college fund, today there's a bunch of different types of accounts between education IRAs and uh, different UGMA accounts and Uniform Gift to Minors Act uh, accounts, all of these types. But there's one that you might want to consider. It's called a 529. 529. What is a 529? A 529 plan is designed for your children or grandchildren under the age of 17 years old to be doing what? You set aside money, it goes for their college higher education. Now, they can use it, you know, for cheerleading camp. They can use it to go to to uh, go to an occupational center. They can use it to buy books and, and tuition assistance and room and board, a lot of things. So there isn't just you have to attend a four-year college. It can be trade school. It can be all sorts of things, tools and, and equipment and things that they might need. But it's growing tax. Now, you don't get a tax deduction when the dollars go in. It's similar to a Roth in that sense. 
post-tax money, just like the money in your pocket, it puts you put it into a 529. Find a good one with very low expenses. My only concern is these 529 plans, they're usually in the stock market, and that means you can go up and down with the with the account value. So so just do your research. Then all the earnings hopefully have time to sit there. When you pull it out, when it's pulled out, it is pulled out tax-free. And it goes directly for the benefit of whoever the, the account was set up for. And this is kind of exciting. They can use it for anything they want and it does not impact college grants, tuition, assistance, that kind of stuff. Just make sure it's titled properly. There's a way to do all of that. Make sure it's titled properly. Right? So what this does for you is it allows you to make sure the funds are not used to buy a you know, VW minivan painted with uh, daisies and flowers and and they're going to join a rock band and hit across the country. This is designed for college. You can use it for one any educational purpose, but just make sure it's designed for any kind of educational type job. All right. So 529, you want to leave a legacy? You want it to go down that road? That's an idea. Here's one of my more uh, desirable, I like, one of my more desirable, one of my more important ideas. Ready for this? It's simple enough. Spend it. Your required minimum distributions come in. And if your bonuses, anything that says, I have all of my buckets, I want to, as much as I want to put for my children's college or grandchildren's college, as much as I have in my uh, savings and emergency account, I want you to enjoy it. Take the trips. Vacation. Use some of these volunteering events. Help dig a well in the middle of Africa. Donate money and go see how it is being used. Feeding inner city children, teaching inner city kids. These are important things. Whatever matters to you. Hey, thanks for being with me. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is AM870, The Answer. Triple eight. that's 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. Give me a call anytime this week. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. 